You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Hey, Matt Griswold and I were in Orlando, Florida this weekend. Matt, did we have a good time in Orlando, Florida? I had a great time in Orlando, Florida. Nice weather, great food, good people. It yeah. was great. What were, what were we doing out there? You want to tell everybody? We were uh, speaking for National MGMA Conference there on the Financial and the Operations specific conference in Orlando, Florida. We have a super cool keynote, just in case anybody's listening that's in the market for this, knowing uh, knowing the score there, financial transparency. And you and I got to tag team the stage. About 500 of our closest friends from the MGMA world got to tag, tag team the stage there and talk about why it's positive to maybe be a little bit more transparent with your friends. Super fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And your, your voice got a little bit wonky there at the end with your connection. But so for those listeners, Matt just didn't talk really fast. That was just connection catching up, but it was fine. <laughs> it was fun. I think we got everything from that. Yeah. The Medical Group Management Association National Conference, and we get to go up on stage and it's something that we get to do quite a bit. And I think we're pretty laid back about it. We've got the travel down. We go and we hang out at the airports. We know we like to find the good restaurants and stuff when we go out there. And, but this one was a little bit different. Matt, wasn't it? It was a different kind of presentation. It was the first time we've probably traveled. I don't know how many conferences you and I have done together. We're probably half a century worth or so, but this was a little bit different. What was different about this one, Matt? A little bit different because you and I got to share the stage, right? And this is tricky too, because uh, if anybody, I don't know how many of I don't know how many of the people listening, you know, speak in front of people and and maybe uh, facilitate groups of people. But it, it's one thing to do it on your own. It's another thing to do it to share the stage, not because you're trying to jockey for position, but because from the participants level, looking up there, it's like, who am I supposed to be listening to? Like, who's leading this? And I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of choreography that can potentially go into that just to make it effective and not awkward and confusing. So that was the first time we've been able to do that. Yeah, so we knew going into this presentation where a lot of times this is this is a little inside. Sometimes Matt and I kind of wing it a little bit. We'll give a presentation and your mind goes someplace and just kind of follow that. And those are some of the best moments on stage because it's very authentic. And people just love our impromptu humor and comedy opportunities up there. They just, they love it. Diana, why are you shaking your head? I'm just curious. It just makes me very nervous that you guys wing it as much as you do because you guys are like, building our business. You're our business development people. Please don't wing it. Please stop winging it. I mean, we don't wing the whole thing. Like we tell good, we have the similar things that we share. It's just sometimes stories strike us in the moment where somebody asks a good question and we kind of, we kind of go into things, but, but when we're up there together, you can't just totally wing it because we have to hit a certain time. It was a keynote presentation, the opening keynote, and you're up there on stage and we have to pass back and forth the presentation. We have to know who's talking about which slides and which areas and which parts and all that kind of stuff. So it was Saturday night and we were out there and we're landing and I feel pretty good about the presentation. Like we had gone over it a few times together and all that stuff. And Matt had created this keynote and he had been used to doing that by himself. And it's, it's been really well received. So we took some of it and said, okay, which parts am I going to take? Which parts is Matt going to take? How do we add some, some different things to that to kind of make it my own because Matt had been given that presentation and we had gone over it multiple times. 
Well, that night, that Saturday night, we're given the presentation on Sunday. And that night, I started thinking about something that happened to me back in junior high school. I had a flashback. So let's go back to junior high school. Back to junior high school. You didn't run. Diana shook her head before I made the noise. She knew I was going to make the noise and she started (laughs) shaking her head. Don't make the Wayne's World noise, Don. Don't do that right now. But went back to junior high school and I was giving, I was into a, it was a rotary speech competition. And I entered this rotary speech competition. And in the first round, I won, like won the first round. So you get into the final, which was like, I think I won for my school. And then you get to do the all city kind of competition thing. And I had this really good speech. It was good. It was inspirational. It was impactful. People cried. They laughed. It was all the good things that you want to have in a presentation. I felt great about the material. But the first time I did it, I got to use notes in front of me. I had notes in front of me that kind of outlined what the presentation was going to be. So when I went through it, it was easy to kind of scan the notes and not get lost. Well, in the final presentation, you could not use notes. You're not allowed to use any notes. But I was really confident that I knew the material forward and backwards. And I was like, I'll overcome whatever things come up there. And so I didn't really prepare enough. And I went up on stage and started and got completely lost. Did not know where I was at, like completely froze up. It's like, for those of you who are afraid of public speaking, it's the worst case public speaking moment where you're literally standing up on stage going like, uh... I don't know what to say next. I don't know where to go. Gosh, I wish I would have been there. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Matt's laughing at me right now, knowing that it all turned out just fine in the end. I was going to say, like, you've learned some lessons. You're you're great up there now. Well, that's the topic. That's why we're bringing this up, because it is the topic of our episode today is the idea of failing forward. How can we build on those failures? And how can we use those things, those mistakes that we make, whether it's in our life or in our work or whatever it is, to be able to become stronger later? Can we use those experiences to make ourselves better? And that's what I did is I used that experience and I said, okay, I don't want a moment like that because I could picture Matt and I, we were going to we were gonna wing it and be just fine. And Matt, by the way, is great at, if, if I had completely froze up on stage, which, which I just, I don't think that's what would have happened. Matt would have just taken it and run with it. But what we didn't want to have since we had done this keynote and it was at a national conference and everything is we didn't want to have the awkward, oh, is this, is this you or is this me who speaks here? We didn't want to have any of that on stage. And so the next morning I got up early and I grabbed some coffee and I went down in the hotel lobby and I opened up my laptop and I went through the presentation over and over and over again covering up the notes part so that it was more real to what the situation was. And so by the time Matt woke up, I think it was four hours later after I got up or something, he stumbled downstairs about five minutes before the presentation. I was Rolled really... in and said, let's do this. Cue the music. Here <laughs> we go. This happen? I hope you can point to who's talking because I sure don't know who's next. Uh, we would, I'm exaggerating a lot, but I felt like I was, I was all over it. Like I knew what slides were coming up next. I knew when to do those transitions and everything. And so I had used that experience from years and years and years before, you know, probably almost 40 years, frankly, before that moment to build. Yeah. I just said that Diana was like, Ooh, that's a long time ago to be able to build that, to build that experience and to hit it out of the park. I think we did a great job with it. We've got great feedback on it. We haven't got the, yeah total feedback from the conference yet, but we heard really good things. So that's what we want to talk about today. So we're going to go around. We've got our whole team. You've already heard from Diana, who was very judgmental as she kind of sometimes can be. I have to stay on top of you guys. I have to stay on top of you or it would be chaos. If you knew that I was okay with you winging it all the time, wouldn't you do it more? You Because you know that I don't like it. I think you correct it. You course correct because you know, I'll give you crap about it. 
I think when you're in Seattle and we're in Orlando, it's hard for you to stop us. I think that's what Matt and I kind of think. That's, that is, that's very true. You'll but I would out. give you a hard time about it still. Yeah, no, we appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. We've also got Stephanie Anderson who brought us this topic talking about mistakes at work. Stephanie, I, what jumped out to you for this topic? Yeah, without jumping in too far so that way we can say hi to Bethany here. I was listening to a podcast the other day where a pretty well-known TV personality was talking about like she had her worst business meeting ever last year. And she talked about that mistake and like how it bombed and then how she framed it. And it got me thinking about like, how do you like, own your mistakes and and learn from them and that this idea of like failing forward and how do you do that and so i have some stories to share about i kind of applied this in my life and how do you how do you learn from mistakes and not just like live in them forever love that yeah so that that, that we've all heard that and so the yes there's mistakes that we've probably made that we could apply and we were starting to go around the room and talking about sharing what those mistakes were and that brought us to bethany taff who's also on the call who couldn't come up with any mistakes that she's made that she is aware of bethany have you thought of any mistakes since <laughs> since we started talking about this topic i'm sure there's so many actually one this is not it's not like a, i guess i've been taken well two thoughts yeah First of all, I think we have a culture that has allowed mistakes to be made and failure. So I don't hold on to them so much that it stresses me out still. So that's a good thing, I think. So kudos, everybody. But second of all, one mistake that I do that I was thinking of, it was sort of a like light, a light mistake, I guess, was like we there's there was like one trip that we went on, Don. And I think we like I see I almost said we. I totally forgot to like book a car or like a hotel, I think. <laughs> and like we were, it was like the day of, and we were like, oh, we probably better try to find a car that we can rent when we fly. We had like plane tickets, but then like when we got there, we didn't, we didn't have anything else. And so we had to, we had to end up calling and making it happen, but it was, it all ended up being okay. And you know what? Now I think, I think I always remember to book everything or make sure somebody is <laughs> if that has happened one time you remember that on other trips because i remember yeah. uh, weren't we going to chicago and then we couldn't yeah, they didn't have anything available they, in chicago so we had to right, like go or something for a while to get to a rental car place that had a car and so it was fine but we can't hear you now don or i couldn't i think yeah, that we, we had to uber like 45 minutes to a spot outside of chicago uh, if I remember correctly, to get an enterprise to get to where we were going. And then, so then you have to drop it back off at the same place. So we had to drop it off at that place then get another Uber to go to the airport. Yeah, I remember that. It was fun. See, we made a memory. So I don't feel bad. It was good. <laughs> Your mistake is just a memory. That was good. So we're going to go around today a little bit and share more stories like that, you know, and this can be, some of those are major mistakes. Some of those are minor mistakes. There could be things like the, like forgetting to do the car, but if you forget to use the car, you could kick yourself and then tell yourself you're terrible at it and then not learn from it. Or you could blame other people for that. It's funny on that one, that story, Bethany, as you share that one, I remember that one as I forgot to get the car. So I feel like maybe you just brought up something that I did and maybe. Uh, took or maybe. You just helped me solve the problem and I maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Now, now we're questioning everything. It was probably, it was probably things. my fault. 
it's probably your fault i agree i agree thanks for owning up for that finally it's been a few years but i appreciate that coming around so uh we're going to share just some stories of those and like what we learned for those how that impacted ourselves so that you can think as you listen to this or watch this on YouTube, which is available to if you'd like to watch this on YouTube, you can start to think for yourself, what can I do with the failures that I have so I can fail forward? So uh, where should we start? Who would like to go first and share some some stories of failures? I Stephanie. can go. Yeah. So the story that immediately came to mind for me when like thinking about owning your mistakes at work was my very first job out of college. I was in a marketing role and my company had this massive convention that we were going to in Orlando, Florida, apparently where all the things happen in this episode. Uh, so we're going to Orlando and I think I was responsible for shipping like I know it was over a hundred boxes. I think it was closer to 200 boxes that were coming from like eight different departments at our organization. And I was coordinating shipping all of this and getting all the convention supplies there. So the day comes, we land in Orlando, we're setting up all of our booth and there is one box that is missing. And it just so happens to be the box of one of my more disgruntled coworkers who it was the box of handouts she was supposed to give at an event. So it's serious, right? Like this box is missing and it's a big deal and she's pretty upset. And my brain immediately goes into, well, oh my gosh, the shipping people lost the box or they delivered it to somebody else at the convention hall. And where this story lands is like, you know, young 20 something Stephanie Anderson, on a little golf cart going around the um, Orlando Convention Center with shipping people because they lost the box and they needed to help me find it. And so we didn't ever find the box. We had to figure out something else for her to hand out to people. Uh, and we get back to our office. And I want to say it was maybe about a month later, I was going through the storage closet where we kept all the marketing materials. and. I found the box. And so in that moment, at first you're like, oh crap, like the box is here. Someone else did not lose the box. So I remember then again, I was early, early twenties is my first job out of college. I had a great boss at the time. And so I walk into her office and I go, you will never believe this. Um, we left the box here. I just found that box of stuff. Oh my gosh. And she looked at me deadpan. And this was like with like kind of that tough, firm love. And she looks at me and she goes, we forgot the box. And at that moment, you just like shrink like 10 inches, you know? And I can remember going like, Oh, I, like, I don't want to admit it, but I forgot the box. I forgot the box. You saying that puts a pit in my stomach. Like we, and oh, like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of that, like, is there a mouse in your pocket? Because if you mean we, you and I, it wasn't us. <laughs> it was you, yourself and you. And so it was that moment for me of like, oh, okay. I am going to have to own this mistake. And like, realizing like we all have those moments where it's all of a sudden you have to realize like there's a choice here of how I frame this. I could, I could have either framed that story. And number one, I could have never told my boss that I found the box. Like that was an option, 
But I think for me, then I would have known that I would have then had to live with that truth that I made that mistake and never told anyone. And then I would have made it impossible for anyone to support me or help me down the road. If someone else discovered the box. Um, and just for me, like, I just, I can't do that. That's not where my conscience sat. So I was like, I knew I had to tell my boss, but even then, like, how am I going to frame this? And so I chose the collective we, and her calling me out on that in such a firm, but kind way, like, really helped me learn and like learn the value of just saying like owning up to it. And like, you know, I made this mistake and again, she was an amazing boss. So what she did then, if you are a boss and listening to this can highly recommend this approach. She was like, listen, I get it. Like that is a really, like, it's a mistake. You were shipping hundreds of boxes. Like it's probably not all that surprising that we didn't get all of them. It's disappointing, but like, it's a mistake. Now she is really upset. So I'm going to go down to her office with you and we are going to tell her what happened. You know, you're going to own the mistake, but we're going to tell her what happened. And she really like protected me there from this other person, like just like really being nasty to me or blaming me. Cause she kind of knew that might happen if I went down there, you know, my young 20 something self to this other person's office who would be upset about it. So I think for me, that was really like probably my first like biggest professional lesson in failure and recognizing like, there's a way that I can frame this either where like, I'm the hero of the story or I'm a real person in the story. And for me, it was recognizing like, I never grow if I don't own the mistake. And if I don't let other people help me learn, like she taught me an amazing leadership lesson. She taught me how to do that well as a leader and as a boss. And I would never have learned that lesson if I hadn't owned the mistake. Yeah. So I love that story. And I've heard that before when we were traveling, we talked a little bit about that one. And I like that story a lot because it's a I like how how you were frustrated. Like we're gonna find this. Somebody screwed this up, and whoever's whoever's did this, their head's gonna roll. And then you found out it was you. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty uh, common twenty something Stephanie response. I think I have grown some since then. Like maybe not heads will roll reaction first. Well, that's that's the good. You know, the I like that it's the you've grown from that, right? That's the lesson from here. But I want to take I want to take us back to the guttural experience, the moment when you realized that it was you, right? The one that Diana was like listening to you talk about that. Like, why is that moment so horrible? And what does that feel like? Like, I want to take everybody to that moment when you realize that you failed. The moment when I'm up on stage and I realize like, oh my gosh, I don't know what goes next. And I realized that it was completely my fault. And lots of people are watching me do this. Why, why is that moment so hard for us? I mean, I think for, for me and somebody else jump in too, of like, I think... I, at that point was really attaching the mistakes to like me and who I was. And so it's like, oh man, if I make this mistake all of a sudden, maybe now I'm not good at my job. I'm not qualified for this. There's like imposter syndrome stuff that starts coming in with a lot of that of like, we attach it too personally. Sometimes it's not just a mistake. It's like, well, then I'm, I am someone who makes mistakes and I am bad in some way, shape or form. And I know everybody processes that a little bit differently, but I think there's just, there's a lot of shame that we attach to making a mistake. And some of us are good at getting out of that quickly. And some of us live in that a little longer. Like I know Diana and I've talked about this because we're both like recovering perfectionists of like, if I could sit here and probably tell you every mistake I've ever made, 
And even the ones I've processed well, like those just tend to stick with me a little longer. I think maybe because of that, that shame mentality, wherever that came from in our culture. Yeah. And I think most people want to do a good job. I don't think anybody wants to make a mistake. I think does it happen? Yes. But I think most people go into work every day, really genuinely trying to avoid that. So when it happens, it's sort of that feeling of like, oh crap, am I, am I good at this? How did I miss this? Where did it go wrong? I was trying really hard not to make, not to let this happen. And it still happened. And how do I prevent it? Like there's all these questions swirling it. And it just, it just makes you feel crummy when, when you know that you're the reason that something got messed up on a team. I think that it's almost an epiphany, right? Like those experiences. It's like, I'm fundamentally, I I'm right. Cause you're in your own head. Cause if I wasn't right, I would change it. I would do something different. So when you realize that you did something wrong, it's like your own brain does like an about face of like, who am I? <laughs> what does this moment look like for me? I was going to add, I think sometimes it's some, some of it might be different for different people too. So some of it might be more of, well, I hate this because of how, like, because it's like what Stephanie was saying, it's attaching and to my identity and my value as a person or as a professional or whatever. And some of it may be for some people more of, oh my gosh, I don't want to disappoint people. So it might be almost another, the other side of it too, of like me. And I, I, I thought I was doing everything to, to make sure that I'm sort of like doing the thing that everybody else is expecting me to. And, and, and I failed on that and I don't want people to think differently of me. So I think there there's probably, and there's probably more scenarios of that about like why people struggle with that. So. Yeah. What are the consequences of what I just did? Am I going to get fired? Are people going to have less trust in me? This is going to have long-term implications. And you're dealing with that in a flood in an instant, right? It's, it's within seconds of you realizing that's happening and just hits you and punches you in the gut. So this is a feel-good episode of the People-Centric Podcast here. So everybody <laughs> can listen to those failures. Uh, yeah, well, I think what what we were wanting to say with this though, of like, yeah, like we all feel that way, but it's again, it's like, how do you move through that and pass that feeling? And like, for me, it was a reframing of like, how was I actually defining success in my, in my life and in my, my job is does success mean that I never make another mistake? Cause if that's my bar, then that is really unrealistic. Like I still make mistakes all the time. Like I can think of mistakes that I have made this week. And don't worry, I already fixed all of them. Nobody freak out. But like, of, of, of just recognizing, like, I think like questioning that for yourself, if you really struggle with this, of like, what, how are you actually defining good at my job? Or how are you defining, like, I'm, I'm good at this? Or how am I defining success? Because I think for me, it was the acknowledgement, like success is not the absence of mistakes or failures. For me, success was like, I learn how to handle them better. And maybe I do make fewer of the same mistakes, but I'll probably still make new mistakes. Yeah, hopefully you will, right? Because then you don't grow with those mistakes. I think one of the punchlines of this discussion is that if you don't take those mistakes and you don't learn from them or you try to avoid them altogether, then you don't grow as quickly, right? A lot of the most successful people talk about they fail more frequently, not less frequently, uh, all the different areas. Like Matt, you were talking about Michael Jordan before and all the things. And he does a good video. I think it was an old Nike commercial, right? You want to talk a little bit about some of the quotes from that? It was, they're pretty good. Yeah. I was trying to think of one of my own 
failures and I couldn't. So I thought I would talk about greatest failure of all Michael Jordan and use him as, as, as an example. Uh, it's funny because if you actually do, I remember, I remember the commercial uh, because I'm that era there and a big Michael Jordan fan, but 1997 is the year of the commercial. And it's talking about all of these failures that he's had. It says I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've, um, I've lost almost 300 games, 26 times. I have been trusted to take the game winning shot and I have missed, I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And so up until that point, he's talking about failure, you know, one of the winningest basketball players, the greatest basketball player ever, in my opinion. But then at the end, it says, but that is also why I succeed, because I'm not afraid to continue to take that next shot, or I'm not, not afraid to continue to put myself out there too. And so if you look at it, Michael Jordan failure commercial there, it, it, it will pop up, but it's really a story of success. It's a story of being able to uh, continue to put yourself out there um, uh, to learn from those things. Like you said, continuing to fail forward. I think there's another part of this, and I don't want to bring down the tone of the conversation here, but I, I think part of this is, like Stephanie, in your example specifically, I think that's one of the reasons why we get upset because, oh man, I did that injustice to this person. Like that was on me. It wasn't me necessarily at the time that looked bad. It might've been that other person that looked that looked bad. Like sometimes when you, I'm just, I don't know. It's like, I'm talking to my kids sometimes. Like, like sometimes when you, <laughs> when you screw up, okay. Uh, but then how many times can you continue to screw up in the same way? And everybody is still okay with it, right? That's a thing that I think other people are maybe thinking about. And some people, we're having this conversation like this, like they shouldn't be upset because I graciously apologize for it. Like, oh, I don't know. Sometimes like that person probably had a right to be ticked at that, at that moment. Like they had a right, I'm going to go protect you from this person, but they also had a space and an opportunity and a right to be frustrated and upset or lack of a better word, just pissed in general that that happened, right? Too. And so I think there's other, like, just because we're saying, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, get over, just apologize graciously. It doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't screw up, like really own that. I apologize for it though. Can't we just move on? Maybe. I mean, like, I don't know, what was it that you did? And how many more times do we get to do this too? I think there's maybe employers that are listening to this going, okay, so they apologized and they owned it fantastic. But at the end of the day, I need somebody to freaking be able to do this thing for me, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm on an island with this. No, no and I... you keep saying the phrase own it. And I think owning it is, is that's the phrase there, right? Owning it isn't just apologizing. It's not just saying like, did it, I own it. It's then saying, what can I do to prevent it next time? What could yeah. I have done? How do I make this better? Stephanie, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, to continue that story on, like, oh, she was mad at me. Like the woman who I lost her materials for the convention, she was real mad. And especially when I reframed the story, because again, the story, if we think from her perspective, the story that she had heard from me at that point was the shipping company lost your stuff. So at that point, the villain of the story for her had been the shipping company and I was a victim alongside her. I was angry for her. And now the story's changed. And all of a sudden it's me. I'm the problem. It's me <laughs> to quote Taylor Swift. And so, yeah, she was mad, but I think, you know, and my boss being there was just knowing, like, I want to protect somebody like, you know, she doesn't we don't justify like filleting Stephanie and like beating her up for this. Like we're allowed to be upset with her. We aren't allowed to be cruel. And, and it was like sitting down and thinking like, okay, 
if there were missed opportunities because this mistake happened, how do we make this better? And so for me as the marketing director, then she got additional marketing support from me that month to help make up and make contacts and reaches with the people she was hoping to meet in that room. Like I did do some extra work to help support her area that month because I, then it was like, okay, yep. Like there was a greater impact here and I'm, I'm owning, I'm apologizing, I'm owning it and I'm offering how I can make it better. So I think, you know, if you're an employer, it's like, yeah, like, I mean, accept the apology, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, not let people off the hook in that way. And I, like I said, I love what my boss did because she did protect me from someone just probably being a little unnecessarily unkind about the mistake that she just knew there was some interpersonal dynamic there, but also she did hold me to that. And like in that meeting, she was like, Stephanie, like, what are we tell her what we're going to do to, to remediate this mistake? Well, and to Matt's point, what would have happened if you had made that same mistake a second time or a third time or a fourth time? Like then the conversation changes, right? Then it's not, you apologized. It was a mistake. Then it's like, okay, well, this is getting out of control. We got to figure out a way to really fix this. Right. And how mad would that have woman been if it did happen again or a third time or a fourth time? Yeah. At that point, I think she would have been very justified to uh, say what she needed, wanted to say to me if it had kept happening. But I think that's where, again, like for me, when I say own the mistake is I actually, I take responsibility, I learn and I do better. And so like, no, I didn't make that mistake again, you know, and I kept track of things a little bit. Yeah. That's the idea of the failing forward that we're talking about there too. Like, okay, what did I learn from that? Or how, you know, how do I remedy that? I just wanted to make sure that we're also not painting a picture of, of like, well, as long as they apologize for us, as long as they owned it, they, they said they're sorry. Like if I'm that lady, like mm, I'm going to figure out a different way to be able to ship my own materials next time, just because I want to keep a closer tab on that. Like, you know, I, I'm going to own that a little bit, uh, own that a little bit more, especially if it happens a second time or a third time. Then, like you said, that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. Those conversations are justified. Also, we always don't have to just bury the hatchet and be like, okay, I mean, that that was on both of us. You know what? I I think there's a time and a place for that. But if we're talking about owning the uh, owning the failure of that and then what do I need to do in order to be able to um, remedy this or or make sure that we're moving past that? Maybe that's a co-creation of the thing. Uh, as well, you know, Diana, you were talking about one of your examples earlier was, was uh, you had a boss that just like every, you felt like you were making all of these mistakes and maybe you were, but they did not handle it super well. And they were on top of you like that. And sometimes, and I, you know, in the pre-show thing here, I said, well, that doesn't sound like you're making mistakes. It sounds like you have a crappy boss. And sometimes crappy bosses, if you are that micromanager, you're holding onto the things too tightly for the person, or they made a mistake and you're writing them for that one mistake and you don't give them an opportunity to fail a second or third time you're probably causing more mistakes, which is even more frustrating for you too. I don't know if that was the scenario for you, Diana, in that moment, but it was your story. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, no, I think, I think that it, it was a manager who was very, very, very not easy on people who made any, so any mistake at all. And it it was a highly detail oriented job. And so it was one of those things where it was like, no, you need, you can't make a mistake. One tiny mistake could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars for the organization. So like, it's a detailed job. You need to watch your P's and Q's, dot your I's, cross your T's, all that stuff. But 
it also, it felt like so much pressure all of the time that I do think I made different mistakes because I was thinking so hard about not making a mistake that I just messed up in other ways. And I wasn't as effective as I could have been. And I wasn't as efficient as I could have been. And I wasn't as, I don't know, strategic as I could have been. I was sort of waiting for her to call me out on something that I had done wrong before it was even wrong. And so I just had this like constant fear and I was continually thinking about ways to cover my butt when I knew it was going to come around. And I think, I think what I learned the most out of that scenario was that people don't grow or thrive in negative. People don't grow or thrive in avoiding. People don't grow or thrive in covering your butt. You can't grow and thrive there. You can learn things, but you're not going to grow and thrive. For me to get out of that and to leave that experience, it took me years to figure out that empathy and understanding and transparency were the way to go and not the like cover your butt all the time way to go. And so I think people, if you're stuck in an environment, whether that's the culture, whether that's a manager, whether that's your own self-talk, where you're like constantly negative and constantly covering your butt and constantly hiding things, you're not growing and thriving. But if you can be honest about what's happening, if you can be empathetic with yourself or the situation, if you can have some understanding and transparency, that's where like the real growing and thriving happens. I think that's a great point. So if you own it, that's better off for you to make the mistake. And I like your point too of saying, even though your manager or the person who you make the mistake with may not respond well, it's a mistake to still focus on their response, right? So if you're the manager, your response, you have control over the response. And I like Matt's point. If the person keeps making the same mistake and keeps saying, I'm sorry, there's a point when I'm sorry is not going to make a difference. You know, and I like going back to the ownership thing. And yes, I think, you know, I've had people make a mistake and they really own it. And you're like, I know you're never going to make the mistake again because the way you owned it. I'm thinking about my son, Jeff, when he was in playground in grade school and they got a basketball stuck up in the tree and he threw a big rock up into the tree and learned that rocks come back down and somebody else threw a rock and it came down and hit him in the head. And it wasn't like I had to tell him like, and we ended up in the, you know, the urgent care, getting a pretty good gash on his head fixed. But uh, I think we, it wasn't, I didn't have to worry about him doing that again is the lesson there. Cause he owned that. He knew that he had made that mistake. Uh, we knew that that wasn't going to happen again. So uh, I think that's good. In fact, uh, as managers, we think about the love and logic style of management too, of the idea that sometimes you have to let your employees make mistakes. So I think it was a good topic for us. We were going to kind of go around and share some different mistakes, but I thought we did a good job of kind of breaking that down for employees and for everybody else too. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, but I'm going to leave you with this last quick message. I hope you fail. And I hope you carry that failure with you the rest of your life, because that really is the thing that's going to be ultimately healthy for you. And outside of with no context, that sounded like a really weird thing to say, but really I'm trying to wish you well and uh, learn from those mistakes because you paid for those mistakes. So we'll that's a Hallmark card thing. right there. I'm going to immediately get a hold of Hallmark and say, I, <laughs> I, I hope you fail. You know, it's just like I wrote on my cup. Right? Failure is unacceptable is what I put on yeah. my cup. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks everybody for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the People Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. 
If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.